Good morning, church. Today's scripture reading is taken from James chapter 1, verses 12 to 18, and I will be reading from the King James Version. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Praise be to God. We welcome you again to Weston Park Baptist Church. Here we are, um, moving into the month of January 2021, and in the midst of all the scariness of the numbers of COVID and everything else, we are starting a new year, and uh, we're praying and hoping that this new year might have many blessings for all of us and that uh, we'll get to the other side of this COVID piece. We are today looking at James. We started a series last week, uh, Wisdom for Everyday Living. James is a book that is practical, that addresses matters of faith in the day-to-day. In -day. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's a book that invites us to reflect on our lives and how we make decisions and so on. Um, and we noticed last week that James jumps right in with the, the issue of trials. He says, you, you're going to experience trials. And it's striking because, there, you know, there's no big, long welcome and how are you and kind of shaping things. It just dies right in. Trials are part of our experience. And so we call that, you know, the trials of living in a pandemic world along that lines. And it's, so it's quite true. I think that resonates with our experience uh, that we have today. So we looked at that first unit and now we carry on with verses 12 to 18, chapter 1 of James as it flows on. And we'll notice again that the word trials... Uh, or temptation is used depending on which text you're using. So I just note this because it's fairly important. In the NRSV, the word that has been trials is now here translated as temptation. Blessed is anyone who endures temptation. That word temptation is also trial. So it has that latitude in translation. Such a one has stood the test and will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. That's the NRSV. That's the translation we have here in, uh, in our church. But I know a lot of you also work with the NIV. And you note the NIV doesn't use the word temptation, but it stays with trial. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, 
that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So the difference is on how we look at that word trial. So the NRSV flips to temptation at that point. The NIV stays with trial. So it has both senses, but I would say that because of the connection with what's just happened in our, earlier in the text, I'm going to stay with that trials bit. And so we have the statement in verse 12, um, blessed is anyone who endures temptation, NRSV, or trial, such a one has stood the test um, and will receive the crown of life, and so on. So it begins with the beatitude, that's the point. Blessed is anyone. So blessed is the one who hangs in there when you're in the midst of these trials or temptations. The challenges of life will come, but we are invited to be strong, to depend on the Lord, lean on the Lord so that we can be overcomers. So it's a, it's a beatitude, just like Jesus has the beatitudes, Matthew 5. Here James has a beatitude, blessed is the one who perseveres in the midst of trials. And we also note even the word perseveres is the word that is used earlier in the text. It can be patience, it can be endurance, it can be with fortitude. So there's the connections between verse 12 and what's gone before. It begins with this, black, this beatitude. It kind of connects right there. It's a connecting verse. So not to be double-minded, as we saw, not to be waffling in our faith, but to hang in there and to keep looking at God in the midst of the difficult circumstances that for sure we're going to experience. And then James says, as we do that, we will receive the crown of life, the crown that consists of life. So an ongoing relationship uh, of love for those who persevere. And, and, and we see that it, it speaks to a crown of life to all those who love him. And so our text begins with the beatitude, blessed is the person, man or woman, who perseveres under the trials, temptations that you are experiencing. As you go forward, blessed are you. For those who are in relationship with God, as we know his love. And so even in the midst of this trial and challenge bit, James is reminding uh, the church that God loves us, that God is there for us, that we are invited to rest in his arms, to be free from anxiety, but to trust. So it's, it's the idea of Psalm 131, which it talks about the child resting in the arms of the mother and just being there, a young child resting. So we are invited to rest in God's love. And so as John speaks a lot about love, James also addresses it very early in his writing, chapter one, first half uh, of his book. So we're invited to know and to experience God's love. So it's a good reminder. Reminder as we begin this year, 2021, that God loves you, God loves me, God loves us in the midst of our challenges and circumstances, difficulties, whatever they might be, God is there for us. And that's the beatitude that James begins with. So that's the connecting verse with what we saw last week. So in light of that, then James talks about our temptations and that word pyridzo, which is trial or temptation, is used eight times in these verses in front of us. So it's repeated a whole lot. 
And so he says, we've had external trials. We've already addressed that last week. We have these external trials. But now we have the interior trials, which he then goes, flips it to temptations. We have these interior uh, anxieties, interior worries, interior restlessness, interior angst. We carry that. And that word trial or temptation addresses that reality. And so we hear it uh, in these verses 13 to 16. No one when tempted, pirazzo, tempted or trialed, should say, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But one is tempted by one's own desire, that's interesting, being lured and enticed by it. Then when that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and that sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my beloved. Interior trials, we have those. That's where James is going. So then we have to sit with that. All right, we know that. We know we have external problems, challenges. You got kids at school right now, and you know now you're going to have to keep them home for longer because of the virtual studies. Like it's, there's lots of angst going on, externally and interiorly. And that's what James is addressing. So we have that. Repeated use of it. And James says, okay, we're not to blame God for that. Remember, this is context 2,000 years ago. Lots of gods all over the place. There are these gods, the Greco-Roman gods. People had different ideas about God. Don't blame God, but recognize your own reality. And so we have an interesting idea here in verses 13 and 14. Let me just read it. No one tempted, when tempted, should say, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But one is tempted by one's own desire, epithumia. And I note that because in the Jewish understanding of the day and earlier, the, the individual has inside at, at the possibility, the reality of an evil intention, an evil aspiration. It's, it's, it's the person has that. Remember last week I talked about two hearts, good heart, evil heart. So the Jewish theology has that. And there, it's called the yetzer. And the, the yetzer is the, the evil idea that is in your heart and mind that, that you might act on. So it's, at the moment, it's undifferentiated evil. It's just there. It's, it's the desire for selfishness. It's the de desire for ego. It's the desire for just doing my own thing and forget everybody else. I want my way. That is known as the yetzer. James talks about it as desire here. And so then in verse 14, he says, but one is tempted by one's own desire, yet, sir, if you like, being lured and enticed by it. And then when that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. So it's like a fish going through the water. And the fish is on the way for its destination. And then all of a sudden over here, it sees something bright. And he decides, okay, I'm going to go over there and check out this little bright thing. That's the yet, sir. It's its own desire. And then he bites it. And all of a sudden, there's a, there's a big hook in it. The hook goes through his mouth. And somebody starts reeling it up. You see what I mean? He's gone his way. He sees something. He goes over for it. 
He acts on it, bites it, he's caught. So it's the same idea for us. So don't blame God, James is saying. Take responsibility yourself for your own interior actions and aspirations because that yet, sir, is there for everybody. And we either deal with it and make an other choices or we fall into that desire and it's conceives and it ends up in death. You see, that's, that's what James is saying. In the Jewish community, the Jewish church in Jerusalem that James is writing to gets it. They understand. It's part of their tradition. For us, it's a little farther away. But we do get the idea of temptation. We do get the idea of restlessness and then acting on it for whatever reason. That's where James is going. So the idea of the evil impulse James says we have to be aware of that because if we follow and fall into it, then it will lead us in paths that we don't really want to walk into. So no blaming God. The Bible has a long history of blaming God. God talks to Adam in the garden, says, uh, Adam, what have you done? Looks like you've eaten of the fruit you're not supposed to eat of. And Adam says, well, the woman you gave me, Eve, she made me do it. And God talks to Eve. And Eve says, well, the serpent that you also made, he made me do it. See, there's a passing of the buck all the way along. Nobody wants to take responsibility. I don't know if you remember the old Flip Wilson routines. There's a funny one where he's on Ed Sullivan and he's a he has the role of a pastor, a minister, and his wife's a big shopper. And she goes out shopping, and she, in one week she buys three different dresses. And the reverend is getting upset. So he says to his wife, how come you're, you're buying all these dresses? That, that was 80 bucks for that, that dress. And, and the, his wife's response is, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. And every time there goes on, the devil made me do it. It's kind of a funny skit, Flip Wilson. Well, you know, we can say the same. And James is saying, no, can't go there. We need to take responsibility ourselves for our actions within whatever interior challenges you are experiencing. And they're different for all of us. Take responsibility for our journey. We saw a couple of weeks ago work out our salvation with fear and trembling. You got to do your work, I've got to do my work. And in the midst of doing that work, there will always be this yetzer that's hanging around that's going to be inviting us to go a different way. So it takes discipline for us all to keep hanging in there, to keep going forward. External trials, interior trials, James recognizes this right off, chapter one of his book. And so we need to hear that as we enter into this year 2021. So don't blame God, James says. Instead, we go on to the next point, because God is our creator, and every good gift that we receive comes from him. So we see in verse 17, every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. 
So James recognizes instead of blaming God and God tempting us and leading us down paths that we can't handle and we just blame it on, we're the victim, we're the victim, God's out to get me, whatever it might be, James says, forget that. God is our creator and he loves us. We've heard that. He's there for us. He cares for us. Indeed, he is the father of lights. Astronomy, astrology was a big deal in the ancient world. And they looked up at beautiful night skies and they see all of these thousands of lights and God as creator is called the father of lights. He's the one who's made all of this. It's an astronomical term in that day. I was given a beautiful book by uh, Nathalie and Clifford for Christmas and it's a, it's a book on cosmology. And it reminds us that in our Milky Way, which is our galaxy, there are a hundred billion suns, a hundred billion suns in one galaxy. Wow, the father of lights. We don't even see all those lights. We see a few thousand with our naked eye in the night sky. A hundred billion in our galaxy, the Milky Way, and that's only one galaxy. There are as many galaxies as there are suns or stars in our Milky Way. So God is the father of lights. God is the creator. With him there is no variation or turning. They, the, the, the old, in the first century, they recognized that the planets went through different phases. The moon obviously went through different phases. Even the stars appear at different places throughout the year. Things change. They come and they go down. They recognize that, but they recognize that God is one who is always there who is stable for us. He loves us. He never changes. And the promises that God makes that are there for us in the scriptures mean, are, are the same today. God is always good. He's good to you. He's good to me. He is our creator, the father of light. So when we're invited then to, to recognize and to count our blessings and to be grateful. One person has said, if you cannot be grateful, you cannot be healthy. From a personal growth development, if you cannot be grateful, you cannot be mentally, emotionally healthy. Gratitude is a core response in our, in our spiritual growth. And so we're to count our blessings, that old song that we sing in church, count your blessings, name them one by one. That's a good thing actually to do because God is the father of lights and he's there for us. So he is creator. But not only creator, he's also savior. So we see that in verse 18. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. That's James' way of saying that God is not only creator, but God is the God who saves us. He gives us birth through the word of truth. Reminds us of the language of the Gospel of John, John 1.14. We looked at that in Advent. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen His glory. The glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. So James is saying we, we have new birth through God's Word and through His truth. It reminds us of the story of Jesus and Nicodemus in John chapter 3 when Jesus says, Nicodemus, he's a Pharisee, I'm telling you that you need to be born again. 
You need to experience this new reality in, in the Father. And even though he's a Pharisee and knows the word of God, he responds, well, how can I do that? I don't get that. I can't be born again. Jesus says, no, you, you have to be born again in the spirit. God does this work. He gives us new birth. He was giving Nicodemus new birth 2,000 years ago, and he gives us new birth as we open our lives up to his love and say yes to his love instead of the barren no, which says no. So we're invited to say yes, and indeed there's a lovely end to that in verse 18, so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Remember, he's writing to a Jewish audience, church in Jerusalem. First fruits is, is Old Testament language. And the first fruits, all of our first fruits, their first fruits, they're the beginning of what they make, was belonging to God. That's the story. It's first fruits. Give your first fruits to God. That's the idea of tithing in the Old Testament. Give God right off the top. Not at the end of it, you know, whenever I've got left, I'll give him a little bit. No, no, the idea was first fruits go to God. And so we become the first fruits. The first fruits of the, of the new people of God. In Corinthians, Paul says that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. He rose again. He broke through the death barrier. And we become linked with, indeed, with his first fruits of the resurrection, first fruits of life beyond death. We are in his train. So God is creator. God is savior. God blesses us. So we're invited to be grateful and to thank him for all that he has done for us. That's where James begins. So as we sum it up then, what are we to do with that? Well, James is quite clear. We need to take responsibility for our spiritual growth. The spiritual disciplines are there for you and for me. And we are invited to act on them. And that, that, that sounds easy. It's not so easy. It takes intentionality and discipline and hanging in there because the yetzer is there. It's still there in your heart and my heart, your mind, my mind. So we need to keep coming back. That's what Kierkegaard reminds us. Keep willing one thing. Why? Because we will weigh more than one thing. So we need to keep coming back. Keep coming back. The answer ain't going away, man. The evil inclination in your heart is there. It's the, for me, it's part of the human condition. We need to keep going back. So take responsibility for your life. For my life, in our relationship with God, that's number one. Secondly, we're invited to count our blessings, to be grateful. To recognize the good things that are there for you and for me, in spite of COVID-19, in spite of isolation. Lots and lots of good gifts for your daily bread, your water, the blessings that you have, shelter, Clothes, friendships, whatever it might be, children, parents, grandparents. Blessings, be mindful, be grateful. James is, is recognizing that, hey, his church needs to hear that. Be grateful, man. Even in Jerusalem, under the Roman eagle, still be grateful. 
And you and I are invited to be grateful within our own world pandemic. Keep your eyes on him. Secondly, be grateful. And then thirdly, we're invited to live in the midst of it all, I would say fully, with abundance, with the spirit of celebration. Irenaeus, one of the church fathers, wrote this wonderful statement, and we often hear it, that the glory of God is the human person fully alive. So if you want to see the glory of God, Irenaeus is saying, the best way to see that, not the galaxies, no, 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 no. The best way is to see a person, a man or woman, who is fully alive. That's the glory of God. So you and I are invited to embrace that. I'm reading a book right now on St. Francis of Assisi, and St. Francis came from a wealthy family in Italy. His father was driven by work, driven by money. Francis was not a happy guy, went through a long time of depression and illness, and he recognizes eventually that all this commitment to money and wealth, that's not, that's not the answer. And instead he starts looking to God and he finds God in the poor. Finds God through a commitment to littleness, to poverty. And of course, there's the famous scene where he's his father confronts him. And he, and he takes off Francis, his, 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 all his clothes, his robes. And he's standing there nude. And he says, you know what? I strip away from myself all of this wealth. It's not what I want. I'm not happy. Takes it all off. And he goes out. He becomes a saint. Saint Francis. The glory of God. The person fully alive. And Francis becomes fully alive. Creates a whole movement of people committed to God and poverty, the poor, fully alive. Take responsibility. Be grateful. Maybe in 2021 we can become more fully alive as we look to God, as we look to Christ, as we open our arms to the Holy Spirit, our hearts, our minds. May we do this in 2021, this year. Hear God's word through James. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.